Good morning. Please open your Bibles or your smartphone apps to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. So how are your tongues feeling this morning? Have you been grabbing them all week like I've been grabbing mine? Now, if you weren't here last week, you're going, what? <laughs> um, last week, our homework out of our um, discussion in James was for a whole week. Do you remember? Grab your tongue. Every time it started flapping down the road of saying something negative about someone. So I don't know about you. My tongue is sore this morning. That's hard. I mean, I, if you took that seriously this week or even for any sort of day, that's really hard. Not only is the tongue, you know, physically hard to grab and hang on to, you know, it gets out of there, right? It's a great picture, the physical part in terms of what it can do spiritually with what it says. Not only is it hard to grab physically, but it's hard to keep a check on that thing when we want to say something bad about someone else, isn't it? So listen, far beyond this past week, keep doing it. You know, one of the marks of the spirit or a Christian, I think, is they have sore tongues from grabbing them. <laughs> Seriously, let's keep Grabbing our tongues, please, whenever we hear it, start to say something negative about someone. Amen? Amen. Your Bibles are open to James chapter 5. Oh, guess what? That's good. You said what? We're practicing interactive church, remember? It's scandalous. I know. So guess what? Something's coming. You guys are getting great at this. Do you see it in your bulletins this morning? Open them up. Check it out. Right? It says there, something's coming. And then it tells you there what's coming. What's coming is 10.16-8 is coming. That's what's coming. And that is not a typo. How many of you thought it was a typo this morning when you read your bulletins? How many of you actually read your bulletins? Okay. On October 16, that's the 10. 16 part, so two weeks from today, we're adding an early service at 8 a.m. That's the dash eight part. Yes! Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, praise God. Now, and guess what else? It's awesome. I lost my train of thought. That was so awesome. I'm not sure what else. Two, two guess what's in the same Sunday morning service. Unbelievable, I know. Um, we're going to have that Sunday morning service at 8 o'clock in the chapel where West Bowles Community Church all began. And my brothers and sisters, I am so excited about that, to see what God will do with this more intimate, small church setting and service in the midst of our otherwise big church. The, ch- uh, the service is going to be from 8 to 8.50 sharp, So, yes, begin praying for me now in particular to get you out in time. Amen amen from Glenda. Yeah, call Glenda later. All right. Sometimes church can be too interactive, Glenda. Because, Because I need to get you out in time so you can enjoy, try out one of our Sunday school classes, which will remain at 9, and then, of course, our 10 o'clock service is going to stay put. That 8 o'clock service will include our announcement in We Are West Bowls videos. Ryan, uh, presuming that he can speak by then again, 
will be there every Sunday morning to get us going with his incredible energy and light. Then we'll sing a hymn together. We're even trying to hunt down some of the old hymn books. Can you believe it? Get out! Yeah. Really? And then uh, we'll enjoy the same message, the same sermon as our 10 o'clock service. And I am so excited to see what God does with this early morning service in its more intimate setting. I mean, as we've done, as we've done in the past, each year this time of year, we're adding that service because with school and this time of year, coming into the holidays, et cetera, people get busy. School sports and activities, as you know, have pushed into even Sundays nowadays, and we know there are many people who, they work Sundays, they just can't make a 10 o'clock service, and oh my goodness, who, who will God bring to experience him together with us that couldn't otherwise make it that day? Who will he bring? Who will he bring that, for whatever reason, on a particular morning, uh, prefers a smaller uh, church setting of praise and worship and message. How many more times will, will, will some of you be able to participate with your church family on those Sunday mornings when you need to be on your way? And yes, will I actually hone shorter sermon skills that carry over to 10 o'clock service? Yeah, there's Glenda again. <laughs> Can you imagine? So there's a lot here to pray about and be excited about. And speaking of prayer, would you please pray? Pray for this service. Pray that God uses this added service to reach more people more often with the community experience of him. Pray God will bring them to love and to be loved and to know him and to know other brothers and sisters more deeply. And in that way, to reach and impact the world. So please pray and get the word out. We'll follow up uh, this announcement with e-blasts and banners and community mailers, but you remember, you mentioning and you inviting people to come remains the best way for us to share God with others in praise and worship. And hey, if you want to, you can go to both services if you want, make a morning of it, and then um, you can make two offerings each Sunday morning. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's too late, okay? It's too late. What will God do? What will God do in the lives of people through this added early morning service? And I can't wait to see. Please pray. And speaking of prayer, now, your Bibles are open to James 5, James chapter 5. In our series on James, we've already looked at two of his three themes that uh, you see there on the screen, trials and temptations and wisdom and speech. Next week, we'll finish up our series by looking at his third theme, rich and poor. But for this Sunday morning, I want to share with you a bit more on wisdom and speech. And we're going to do that by taking a closer look at a certain kind of speech, and that's prayer. We might expect prayer to be included in a book about trials and temptations in particular, and James doesn't disappoint us. In fact, he bookends his letter talking about prayer, 
And some of you might say, well, I don't see the word pray up front. The word prayer only appears in James chapter 5. But it's there in chapter 1 as well, where James leads off his letter by encouraging believers to ask God for wisdom. That ask, of course, is prayer. Similarly, in chapter 4, James talks again about asking God for things we need, especially in that context, money, given his use of the verb spend in verse 3. And again, that ask is prayer. And then finally, in chapter 5, his last chapter, as he began in chapter 1 and continued in chapter 4, James returns to prayer. And as is his custom, James zeroes in on his topic and tells us what he really thinks. James is not a writer that minces words. He's a direct sort of guy you can tell by his letter. Your Bibles are open to James chapter 5. I'll begin reading down at verse 13, where James returns to where he began, talking about prayer in the context of trials and temptations, or trouble is the word he uses here. Let's see what he has to say. James 5 verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. I'm tempted to have the benediction and leave this morning. <laughs> Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is the very word of God. Amen? And so James says, pray, because God answers prayer. And James' focus is especially, it seems, there on a prayer for healing, isn't it? And not only physical healing, yes, that's there, but James covers the spiritual and our emotional need for healing as well. The spiritual healing in that passage is very plain. It's in the context of forgiveness and confessing sins, he says. Emotional healing, we might not see quite in that word trouble, but when you see it's matched with happy, when we're in trouble and therefore not feeling happy, he says, so there's an emotional component to a prayer for healing. And yes, physical healing when we're sick. Pray, James says. Pray for healing because God answers prayer. 
especially the prayer of a righteous person. And that's you in Christ. God considers all of us in Christ righteous. And so James tells us the prayer of the righteous. Our prayers are powerful and effective, just like the example James gives of Elijah. Wow! I loved what George says in his opening about, I, he was talking to me. Sometimes I feel like, you know, that, that, that powerful and effective prayer is, I forget the word you use, George, is only for someone, you know, special or some, you know, we're all special in God's eyes. We're just like Elijah. And our prayers are powerful and effective. Just as powerful and effective as Elijah's prayers. So pray. Pray for healing. Now sometimes people ask me, does God hear my every prayer? And usually that question comes from Usually what they mean, I find, in talking with them about it is this. Does God answer every prayer? And I believe that he does. I believe that God answers every prayer. He either answers yes, or he answers no, or he answers yes, but not in a way we expect. And in my experience, at least, that last one seems to be God's favorite answer to prayer. (laughs) But he hears and he answers our every prayer. Now, our health and wealth friends frequently misinterpret the passage we just read. They quote James 5.15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And they read that as, oh, there's a guarantee. Every sick person who is prayed for will get well right then and there in a way we expect. Bible says, they say. God always answers yes and always answers yes in a way we do expect. The lame man walks. And if the person doesn't get better, they say, they point to things, they point to that phrase, the prayer offered in faith. And then get us on that road that, well, if someone's not getting well, or if it's staying broken, or if it's staying painful, well, you must be, we must not be praying with enough faith. If only we believed enough, you know, then the person would necessarily get well, which oddly puts the power of prayer being answered in the way we want and expect on us and not on God where it belongs. What they miss, however, is that all-important context of Scripture, not only of the whole Bible, but also right here in the book of James. James has just finished in the previous chapter making it clear that nothing happens or doesn't happen if it doesn't match God's will. If it's the Lord's will, James says, we will do this or that. Or in other words, James still very clearly has God sitting on his throne. Everything that happens is ultimately subject to him, must be in concert with his will. And so when James says, 
Later, or just after, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. He's presuming in immediate context that God's will includes making that particular sick person well right now. No, there's no health or wealth message in James. In fact, it's ironic because it's quite the opposite. As James as James points out and points to those trials and temptations that persist in life and demand our perseverance and prayer. A harder question to deal with sometimes is the question that goes something like this. Since God is all-powerful and since God is pure goodness and since God loves me, Why doesn't he always heal me? Why am I still sick or hurting? Why? Ever get that question? Ever ask that question? Or the question can go like this. Is it God's will that I am hurt and that I suffer? Is that what he wants for me? And then that question can lead to the conclusion, well, if that's what God's like, if that's what he's about, then I don't want any part of him. I'm out. And I've had, I've had hurting people ask me these questions. And I've asked, personally, and wrestled with all of these questions. They're hard questions. Here's one attempt at an answer. Does God will or want us to suffer? That answer, my friends, is a resounding no. Of course not. He doesn't want us to suffer then why do I suffer? If God gets what God wants, why do I suffer? And the answer to that one is something like this. God not only doesn't want us to suffer, but he also wants a universe where free will is real. And so that means for a time, for now, sin has impact and effect. And that means, for a time, for now, the devil has real power. And he wins battles sometimes. So does God want you sick? Ever? No, he doesn't. But he wants people to be truly free to choose him. And that will require pain on our part for a time. And I've taught and I've said too from this pulpit and to others, you know, um, God draws us out into the desert sometimes like he did with Jesus. God wills sometimes that we go through hard things. We have to be careful with what we communicate about our God with our language. See, to go to someone who's hurting 
And to ask someone who's struggling, say, does God want me feeling like this? And you say, well, yeah, you know, everything, God has a plan, and you're part of his plan, and if you're like in excruciating pain, and these people are doing just awful things to you, and if there's spiritual warfare going around in your life, and the devil is, a t- yep, that's exactly what he wants for you right now. We can truly miscommunicate who God is in terms of his great love for us. So the answer to that question is sort of, well, he does and he doesn't. He doesn't want us to hurt, but what he does want and what he honors, and it's amazing that he does this, he wants people to choose him on their own. And because of that, there's this (laughs) life since the fall in Genesis 3. There's this period of time since the cross and when Jesus comes again where we're going to experience pain as we get caught up in this time for a time that the devil has his reign and sin has real effect. He doesn't want us to hurt, but he wants to give everyone a chance to truly and freely choose him. And where those two collide is where we experience pain sometimes for now. And then you know what God does? He does the next best thing. He can't compromise wanting everyone to have the free will to choose, but you know what he does? He does the next best thing. He says, you know what? I understand that. You're going to get caught up in this sin and this pain, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fill you with me, with the Holy Spirit. There isn't going to be a step that you take in pain that I don't take with you and that I don't feel myself, and we'll do this together. And I'll give you the strength. And I'll give you the courage. And I'll give you the peace. I'm going to be right there with you in it, I promise. And we'll get through this together. Oh, what an amazing God that we serve. And so what do we do? For this time where, where sin and pain and the devil are given some freedom. Well, James has been telling us since we cracked open the first chapter of his letter. And today we, we see him ending his letter with a call to prayer. To pray for healing on every level. Pray. Pray is what we do for this time until the power of sin and the power of the devil will one day be no more. Because make no mistake about it. While sin and the devil may win some battles for a time, for now, sin and death and the devil, their days are numbered because they've already lost the war. Jesus saw to that. And that already victory over sin and death and pain and evil and the devil and suffering will one day soon and very soon, my friends, be fully and completely and universally realized and experienced forever and ever and ever. Amen when Jesus comes again. Please, now Glenda, amen. And in the meantime, James says, don't lose hold of that anchor that God is good. Don't lose hold of that anchor that God is the only source of truth. And now this morning he says, pray. Persevere through trials. Don't let our own sinful desires Turn them into temptation and sin. Protect and cherish the community of faith by keeping a check on our tongues. Care for the poor, we'll see next week. And pray. Pray for healing because the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective and you never know 
You never know. We don't often know. If ever. God may be waiting on your free will choice to pray, which boy does he honor. He may be waiting for your free will choice to pray earnestly with right motives, with the faith and belief of not a double-minded man in James, but a belief that God is the only one you can turn to. He may be waiting for your choice to pray before he answers with a resounding yes to your prayers, and maybe even yes in a way that you do expect. So pray. Eight months ago, I began for the first time praying every day with my wife. Out loud. Every morning, except Sunday mornings because I'm up and off too early, so those mornings we pray separately for each other, each other. But eight months ago, Jill and I started praying together every day. It only took me 21 years and six months to start doing that with her. I'm such a moron. She's been wanting to do that with me since even before we said, I do. And I resisted. I can't even tell you why. I could begin telling you why, but it, it would take hours. <laughs> Pride got in the way. It's humbling to pray, especially out loud with someone else. And I also think I didn't have this sense this James sense of just how powerful and effective prayer is. I mean, God is sovereign. He's in control. He has a plan, that great window into truth, and all of those are truth. And, but watch out. The devil can just shove you through that door that that's the only door in which you know and experience God, however true it is. And you can get to the point of, and I think I was there too, you know what? God will get her done with or without me. So why even pray? Powerful and effective. He's all powerful and effective. (laughs) He's going to get her done. And I know, you know, I, I know prayer is just as much for the person praying as it is for whatever it is we're praying about. I understand that, but I just didn't want to. James says, prayer truly helps. And I'm telling you today from personal experience for the last nine months, he's right. I, one of our favorite things to pray for each other, Jill and me, is to pray for healing for each other. I pray to, um, Father, help equip me to best know how to heal those things in Jill that needs healed in front of her. She prays, Father, you know, this man you've given me, (laughs) 
please equip me, Father, on, on how best to help heal Todd. And we pray for protection against evil spirits. Spirits like depression or hopelessness or pride or anger. And so I'll pray specifically, God, please protect Jill's heart and spirit today from, and then I'll list those things where uh, dark spirits tend to attack her. And then she prays, God, please protect Todd from, from, from those things he struggles with today. And, and she lists those spirits that tend to attack me. And oh, if I could just get you to see what a difference it has made the last nine months in everything. In Jill, in me, in our marriage, in our work, in our ministry, in our relationship, in everything. If I could just give you to get you to see that. Husbands, if you're not yet praying with your wives, or same thing for wives, although that's awfully rare <laughs> that a wife uh, won't pray with a husband who wants to, although that's it's usually the guys for whatever reason, guys. We we don't want to pray with our wives, but I could if I could just get you to see what James says is really true. If I could just get you, you would start today. And married or not, praying for healing and allowing someone to pray for your healing is something we all need to do. James is right. Go figure. 21 years, six months. Wasted. Damn it. And I mean that. I'm not saying that in vain. Truly. Damn all that which keeps us from the power and effect of prayer. This winter sometime, maybe after the first of the year, I'm going to invite some people I know at least to come and, and offer a seminar on prayer to further equip us on how to pray for healing, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual, and that's one reason, reason I didn't pray for healing. I, I, I really hadn't had any training on, on, on how to do that. The whole thing of spiritual warfare is so often misunderstood. I think we need some good instruction and practice in equipping Church of God on this front. So look for that opportunity to participate. It's coming. You know... It's, um, it's really asinine if we don't pray. Yeah, good heavens, I'm, I'm kind of cussing a blue streak up here today. So. <laughs> but for heaven's sake, and really, truly for heaven's sake, we are given a beautiful powerful and effective means, James says, to heal each other. It's called prayer. And if we don't use that gift, if we don't use our tongue in that way, 
you know what? If we could use our tongue as much for the gift of healing prayer as we do, you know, taking someone down, it would change the world. If we don't use that gift, if we don't pray for healing for one another on a regular basis, well, isn't that just insanely stupid? And doesn't that just open the door for the devil to actually land deeply his attacks in us? You know, someone once said that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. That someone is Peter. Jesus' disciple number one said that. Maybe you heard of him. The devil's trying to devour us. Like a roaring lion. Have you ever seen a roaring lion take something down and devour it? That's what he's after. That's what he's about. Each and every one of us. He's trying to devour and rip apart our wives. He's trying to devour and tear into little pieces our husbands. And he's after our kids. Are we ready for that kind of attack? Do we even think about that on a daily basis in life? Are we ready for that? We better be. And one chief way to prepare, my friends, is to pray. Pray for healing. Pray for protection. Meet sin and pain and death and the devil himself head on with God's powerful and effective weapon of prayer. In fact, let's pray right now. Father in heaven, Thank you for James' words, so emphatic at the end of his amazing letter. Forgive us, Father, if we have set prayer aside as something that, treating it as if it isn't powerful and effective. Help us, Father, in humility and in love to take that courageous step of opening ourselves in community honestly for where it is that we need healing and where it is we struggle and asking our brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for us. Help us, Father, to remember to pray for them. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name I ask protection for everyone here, for every wife, for every husband, for every single person, for every child, for every adult, no matter how old, Protect them, Father. Protect them from that roaring, devouring lion called the devil. Keep those spirits away. Hold them at bay. And in that shadow of your wing, engender in us as community, grow more and more our ability to be more like you. In James's words, more like you. And persevering through trial that leads to perseverance, considering joy in trial that leads to perseverance and perseverance completing its work and making us more like Jesus. Keep us from being tempted to suspect that you aren't good or aren't the source of truth. Help us to care for one another in love with what we say and how we say it. And oh, Father, help us to pray. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.
and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please, for God's benediction this morning? Jesus once asked his disciples, Jesus once told his disciples, here's how I'd like you to pray, and I'd like to use that Lord's Prayer plus the doxology that's been added over time at the end as our benediction this morning. Pray with me silently. I'd ask you to join in, but there's about 79 versions of the Lord's Prayer. Pray with me in your hearts, please. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And now the doxology. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great week, Wex Bowls. We'll see you next week. God bless you all.